0: in here on Morning Drive, hour number four on a Thursday. Good to have you in. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise with you. Hal Gill will join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. The big finish at 945. Right now, we go behind enemy lines, as we do each and every Thursday, get a preview of the Titans' opponent. This week, the Denver Broncos, as the Titans head to mile high, we welcome in Benjamin Albright from KOA iHeart in Denver. Benjamin, we appreciate a couple of minutes. How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing well.
2: How about yourselves?
0: Doing well. So, uh, obviously the Broncos off to a, a slow start, although a really good win last week against the Chargers, snapping what I believe was an eight game losing streak dating back to last year. How surprising is it the start that this team has had so far this
2: year? Well, uh, you know, in terms of record, I don't know that it's, uh, it's a particular stunner. Um, I think you look at, at kind of the way they've played and the way they've lost or won, and that's kind of been surprising. Um, you know, you're talking about a football team that's put the two potential game-winning drives inside the two-minute mark uh, at home and lost both games. Uh, so that's kind of been a bit surprising. The way the defense struggled to get turnovers and sacks through the first three games is a bit surprising. But, you know, the offense has been surprising in a good way. Uh, it keeps continuing to get better each week. And, you know, I think Denver fans are kind of hopeful or, you know, at least optimistic about the possibility of almost a, a Colts-like turnaround from last year out of this team.
3: So, so what are they doing offensively with Joe Flacco that has worked? Obviously, like you said, the win-loss record is not where they want it to be. But if they've been surprisingly good or, or better than expected on offense, what is it that they are doing then with Joe Flacco that has led to that?
2: Well, you know, everything starts with inside zone here. Uh, they built off that. They've they've incorporated the the running backs into the passing game a lot more than uh, the previous coordinators and coaches. They love that angle route. Um, you know, out of the backfield, and Royce Freeman has really kind of uh, been a better pass catcher than they thought. Uh, they are trying to put Joe Flacco in position to make uh, easy, effective throws to move the football, and that's um, that's really kind of been the hallmark of this so far. Flacco having one of the better statistical seasons of his career right now.
4: Now losing Chubb, what what does that do um, for what for for the Denver deviates? Obviously they still have Von Miller. He's one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. But losing a guy that they wanted to pair him with that was having a – they had a good season last year, and we assume he was going to have the same type of season or even better this year. How much of a blow was it to lose him?
1: Well, it, it definitely is
2: a factor. Um, you know, Bradley Chubb, very good at, at what he does, not only rushing the passer, but perhaps more valuable even uh, being able to set the edge in the run game uh, when he uh, got hurt in that Jacksonville game, you saw all of a sudden Leonard Fredette was able to get going and uh, and they racked up the yardage in the second half. His replacement, Malik Reed, is excellent at rushing the passer uh, and getting in there, but not he he tends to get washed in the run game a little bit. They went out and signed uh, uh Jeremiah Tattuo to kind of uh, hopefully help mitigate that, uh, but that's really the concern is how well they're going to be able to hold up uh, against power run setting the edge on that side without Bradley Chubb there.
0: Benjamin Albright joining us here as we get a preview of the Denver Broncos. Let's go off the field for a moment to the front office. We've seen John Elway have his struggles, you know, running this franchise. They've gone from Gary Kubiak to Vance Joseph to Vic Fangio. If this was not John Elway, would we be looking at a change upstairs?
2: Well, yeah, you would have seen one quite a bit ago. You know, John Elway came out as a general manager pretty hot. I think through his first six years, he had the best record of any general manager in NFL history. But the post Peyton Manning era has been littered with uh, failure and uh, specifically mediocrity of the quarterback position. Uh, they struggled to identify a guy that carry this team. Um, and the draft classes haven't been all that great, especially at the top as well. Now, they've changed philosophy over the last two years, last two draft classes. Uh, this team used to look for uh, height, weight, speed guys, elite athletes that they were going to coach up. And over the last two years, they've really looked for guys who are better football players, uh, guys that are team captains, multi-year starters, things like that. It's kind of paid dividends um, they think they've got the quarterback situation solved, hopefully now, with Joe Flacco in the interim and, and Drew uh, Drew Locke in the long term. and When he comes back off IR, we'll kind of see how that plays out.
4: Now, what is the um, – because this is a big game for, I think, both um, teams. Titans here, um, they need a win because they want to stay – um you know in step with with jackson not jacksonville but houston and indy and then obviously denver needs to win because they need to continue to stay on pace in their division but what is the perception of the tennessee titans amongst um um, um the, the bronco team and and let's just say the bronco fans
2: well, the Bronco fans are optimistic about the potential for a win. They think this is a winnable game. Um, they view the Titans as a very good defense, uh, but you go and look at the offensive side of the ball, and you know see a team's kind of had struggles. Um, Tennessee Titans, fifty-five percent of the drives ended punts—that's second worst in the NFL. Um, but, you know, the Titans, again, are very efficient with the football, uh, the best team in the league in terms of uh, uh, turnovers on offense. So um, I, I think that uh, Broncos fans are saying, hey, this, this is winnable. We're just going to have to play uh, clean football and, and come out there and put that offense behind schedule, force them to punt, and, and take advantage of those opportunities.
0: Benjamin Albright, KOA, iHeartMedia in Denver. We appreciate the time and the insight. Thank you very much
2: absolutely yes ticker.
0: Benjamin Albright with us you know you look at Flacco uh, six touchdowns four picks quarterback rating of 90.8 kind of what I expected typical Joe Flacco I mean is yeah. it, it when you look at the record one and four is it just a matter of when they go to Drew Locke obviously health being an issue
3: I mean yeah health is the major one here I, I don't Think it. I mean, listen. Drew Locke is part of the reason he dropped so far in the draft was that he just is simply not prepared to to, to run an NFL offense. Um, there, the Doolander's offense there at Missouri is a it, it is designed around a single decision happening at a rapid pace, and that's it. You, you don't have any more complicated. That's why Missouri's offense is so good. Um, And in college, that works. It doesn't work that way in the NFL. You got to go through, you know, there's disguised defensive coverages. You got to go through progressions. You got to be, what you have to do is you have to do what Jake Fromm did against Tennessee. Jake Fromm went to like his third and fourth read the entire night and did Mm -hmm. it with like perfect precision. And I think they did a great job of showing that on the broadcast. That's what you have to be to be an NFL quarterback. And Drew Locke hasn't ever shown that he's able to do that he didn't show it in the preseason and he, he didn't show it at Missouri. It's why he fell in the draft. And so I, I still think there's a large question around whether or not Drew Locke is the answer or not moving forward. It's, you know, a late second-round pick, mid-second-round pick is not a guaranteed future starter.
0: Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. if you want to jump in. We'll continue on with the little Titans-Broncos conversation. Also, get back to the Predators Capitals tonight. Uh, Hal Gill's going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. We're back after this on Morning Drive.
3: Guys, the internet, you need it almost every single minute of the day. How else are you going to be angry all the time on social media? Because, hey, you've got shows to stream, emails to reply to, all the LOLs and the like, but the like buttons. you got to smash those likes on Instagram and Twitter. That's why you need Xfinity. You get the fastest, most reliable internet with gig speeds available so that you can get online and get down to business faster. And Xfinity delivers enhanced network security, so all of your connected devices are protected. Get instant alerts when strangers are trying to hop onto your network, set curfews with parental controls, and pause your Wi Fi at dinner time. That's life with Xfinity, the best internet provider in America, according to speedtest.net. Now that's simple. Easy and awesome. Get started with Xfinity Internet for $20 a month for 12 months with a one year agreement, or get four times the speed for just $10 more a month for 12 months. Plus, add enhanced network security. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1 800 Xfinity, or visit an Xfinity store today. Requires EcoBail and AutoPay, ends 1 720. Restrictions apply. New performance starter 25 megabits per second internet. Internet customers only. Equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change. After term, regular rates apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed.
0: welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5, the game. Skillsy will join us coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, Titans-Broncos on Sunday, and you kind of look at this game, and, you know, Bradley Chubb is out. Obviously, you got to deal with Von Miller, although he only has two sacks on the season. Just kind of looking at some of Denver's offensive personnel, of course, your boy Joe Flacco, Mm -hmm. Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders, but the one thing that worries me is is the Denver rushing attack with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. They are not afraid to stick their head down and bowl you over.
4: This team, and it's, it's, uh, it's surprising that they are where they are um, with only one win after, what, four or five games. I'm surprised because they do have talent you know, on both sides of the ball. Obviously, I think Emmanuel Sanders is a really good receiver. Sutton has come on the last year or so. Um, and then with the two running backs, um, you know, I'm surprised that they are one and – what is it, one and four? Yeah, they um, lost to the Raiders, Bears, Packers, and Jags, but yeah. they beat the Chargers last week. And they should have won. There was a couple of other games they should have won. Like he said, they've been in a position to – have game winning drives and then end up losing the game. I think that that Charger game was one they end up is that the one they end up losing?
0: No, they beat the Chargers. Yeah, they beat the Chargers. They, they
4: raced out to like a 17 nothing lead before. There was before. a game in there where they had the ball, they had the win. They all but had the I win. I think it was the Bears. Yeah, and then they let the Bears come back on the last drive and end up winning. Um so you know, it's 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 surprising that they are 1 and 4 just like, you know, we can say it's surprising that the Titans are 2 and 3. They should be better. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting game. I think this game will this is a game that like I said both teams need uh if they're going to stay pace uh with their with their division. If the Titans lose this game, already down 2 games within the division, it's going to be tough. It is really going to be tough.
3: Yeah, th- I don't want to say this feels like a A pivotal moment in the season because, again, we saw the Colts go 1-5 and and then rebound and make the playoffs. Now, no one thinks this offensive line or this quarterback is Andrew Luck in that Colts offensive line. But the point is still valid. The teams have weird starts to the year and then finish great, and teams have great starts to the year and finish bad. And so it happens all the time. But this one feels different because of sort of – I don't know, like how – and I don't know, Derek, if you can explain how a locker room feels like it's on the verge of a breakdown or not. You know how, like, uh-huh. you know, how, like in life, people are on the verge of breakdowns. Like, you go through stress, you have a sick relative, or you know, tough time at job, at work, or financial issues, or whatever. You can you, the stress levels build, and all of a sudden, you you feel like you're on the verge of a breakdown. Right? It's like a phrase that people use. Yeah, you reach a tipping point, point. And, and so I wonder about a locker room when there is a point of. Is, is there ever a point in a season where? Holy smokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there ever a point in the season in, in every locker room that you've played in where you think that there was a tipping point where it went to the other side, meaning not that the coach had lost the locker room? Because uh-huh. um, I know every player is still fighting for a job. So, like, I, I understand that everybody plays hard because you're still fighting for your career. Like, individually, I get uh-huh. that. But that a cohesive team thing disappears because you've reached the point of the season where it, it's, it's lost. Does that, does, that make, does that make sense? Or um, no, is that- no,
4: no, 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 no. You can get to a point of a, a season where it's like, man, we. once you've really truly assessed your team, um, and players know if they got a good team or not, and you just look around like, man, we're not getting any better. Things are not working on the field. Coaching staff has seemed inept. And then you get, yeah, it's like, uh, here we go again. We either go left or right, and we choose to go, I mean, not choose to, but it seems like we're going left instead of right. Um, I think the Titans are at a critical point from this from this standpoint. A critical kind of, like you said, you don't want to say this is a must-win game and, and all this other right. stuff, but here's the reason why I say it's almost a must-win game. Because if they're sitting here two and three as they are, but those two wins were against Indy and Jacksonville, we feel a lot better. Uh, a whole lot better because we are 2-0 oh in the division, which puts us, you know, in a weird way, we're at the top of the division. Even though we got a worse record, we're at the top of the division because we got two wins within the division so we're ahead of everyone else. You don't... The whole the, the saying is win your home games, split Split your away, split your away games, or win your division games, which means you're six at six wins, and then your non-division games, you split those. How many non-division games they play? What four, or eight? What it was it
3: in the AFC? Is, non non-divisional yeah, games non-divisional. in the AFC. You play four from the NFC. You play six at home. So you and then you play a whole another division in the AFC, exactly. and then you get what two that rotate, mm-hmm.
4: right? They rotate. Yeah. So say. You know, you win your division games, which is six, you win your home games. If you split your non-division games or you split your road games, you're still in a good position to make the playoffs. Well, the Titans are in a situation now where they've lost two division games already. And you can't afford to not only lose division games, but lose the games outside your division. You got to at least if you're going to lose two division games, you got to at least win the games outside of your division. You got to make it up somehow, some way. That's why I say it's critical for the Tennessee Titans to get this game this week against Denver.
0: Yeah, and I think it's going to get tougher coming up because you have the Chargers, then you have the Buccaneers, then you have the Panthers and the Chiefs. And in that stretch, you're going to face two of what I would say are the top three frontrunners for the MVP right now in Christian McCaffrey. Patrick Mahomes, and I'd probably say Russell Wilson is also in that conversation, although you're not going to face Russell Wilson. I mean, good luck against Carolina and Kansas City because those two offenses can score. I mean, look at right now, Christian McCaffrey might be the MVP of the league.
3: Yeah, but I like I still kinda of, like as we're raving about Kyle Allen right now. Uh-huh. And, you know, Kyle Allen is one of those college recruiting stories that like i I always beat the drum on he's a five-star recruit coming out of high school that ended up at like three schools and and never really was any any good in college and all of a sudden now he's a starting quarterback and he's halfway decent because he's always had pedigree it shouldn't be a surprise to people that kyle allen is a starting quarterback in the nfl because he's been a five-star recruit his entire life uh coming out of arizona i think he went to a&m first and then oklahoma and then houston or whatever um, never really played, and, and now he's starting. I still need to see, like once people get tape on him, w- what it looks like. McCa- oh, of course. McCaffrey, you're completely right. He's obviously – I mean, we we talked about this this week. Christian McCaffrey might be the single most dynamic and unstoppable offensive weapon in, in the game of football right now. Outside of – like take quarterbacks out of it. Who's the, the – a skill position player who is the mm-hmm. most – unstoppable and dynamic weapon in, in the NFL and it might be Christian McCaffrey. I
0: mean you would have thought on paper if I told you back in August that if, if Cam Newton goes down for an extended period, Carolina season is over. Now mm-hmm. they're three and two and if I had an M V P vote, I would vote Christian McCaffrey as the most valuable player in the league.
4: Well he's been able to you know keep that that team, that offense afloat with what he's what he's done since Cam has been down. And, you know, maybe just maybe they, they they are more effective because Cam was hurt anyway, and maybe they are a more effective team now that they have a healthy quarterback um, underneath center. Because I'm not going to sit here and say a healthy Cam and a healthy uh, Kyle, they're they're better with you know Allen than, than 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 um, Cam because they're not. But Cam was hurt, so maybe they needed that. Maybe it was good that he got to not sit down for a while so now they're able to have somebody underneath center um that's healthy but you know it's you're right they got this stretch but i feel good about the titans for some reason i feel good about the titans when they have to play like teams like atlanta high powered offenses kansas city high powered offenses it's just just something about what dean pease is able to do i'm not saying they're going to win but he kind of neutralizes last year yeah
3: i mean clearly philly new england i mean did the job what's weird though is that they've been good in the in the like the mucky dirty games too mm-hmm. right like they've been good against jacksonville historically and jacksonville sort of plays that dirty grinded out style which is the same way that buffalo and denver probably play but they have not been good against buffalo yeah. and 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 they lost to jacksonville in pretty convincing fashion so it's this is a fascinating situation I, I just wonder how fragile the locker room is because we've talked about culture you asked the question about culture this week nick and, and that's what I wonder is just how fragile is the locker room mentally because this has been a very strong locker room under John Robinson, Vrabel, Dean Pease, you know, they used to have a Rackpo and Morgan guys that were really good locker room guys and, and those guys are gone now. How, how strong mentally is this? is this locker room is sort of what we're going to learn a little bit about over the next couple of weeks.
0: Two pretty good locker rooms, or I should say dressing rooms tonight, both with the Nashville Predators and the Washington Capitals as in comes Ovechkin, Holpe, Hagelin, Backstrom, Oshie. Good one tonight at Bridgestone Arena, the final game of a four-game homestand. We'll talk to Hal Gill about that coming up next here on Morning Drive. Predators and the Capitals tonight, 7 o'clock puck drop, pregame at 6 here on 102.5 The Game. And the man that you will hear on that broadcast tonight is Hal Gill, Preds radio analyst, and he's brought to you by Puckets, and he joins us each and every Thursday here on Morning Drive. Skillsy, good morning. How are you? I'm
1: doing great, guys. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. So we know the Capitals are a good team. We know Alex Ovechkin is an all-time great, but what are some of the challenges that the Capitals will present tonight for the Preds?
1: Well, anytime Ovechkin's the out there, he's a threat to score. But uh, their power play is is pretty good. They have a good setup between Oshi and uh, Kuznetsov, and uh, it's it just uh, it's a deep team. They kn- they know how to win. You know, I think that's the uh, the bottom line. That uh, they went through the the glory years, I'd say, where they were so good and so deadly, but they couldn't find a way to win. And then they won the cup. And I, I just think they're they're poised. They know how to play the game the right way. And and they got some
3: players that can score. How uh, you and I were talking about this last night on Smashville Live, and and with uh, Dan Hamus a little bit, but I wanted to get you to sort of maybe expand on this because Dante Fabro has obviously uh, been been pretty solid through three games. He's such a young player. He's so poised. But but explain to people what you look for in a defenseman who's young. When you see a young talented player. What, is it, what skill sets are you looking for that tell you he's going to be very good moving forward? And what have you seen from Fabro in that department?
1: Yeah, right away, you know, the first time I saw him, his lateral movement, the subtlety, the way his hips work, and his ability to, to slide into the right position without working too hard. You know, there's some guys that'll skate all over the zone before they find their spot. Uh, he's pretty quick, direct to the point. Um, so that's what I re- that really jumped out. Now the problem is, is you put him on the NHL ice against big players like he's playing against Evander Kane uh, from San Jose, and and he's a big body and he's tough to play against down low. And uh, you know I was pretty impressed with Fabro. He he's gonna get beat out of the corners. It's just it's a matter of time before it happens. But uh, his recoveries have been good. His ability to to, to spot his guy and body up in front, and he made some really nice plays where, you know, sometimes you get caught up trying to battle with a guy when you really just have to be aware of where the puck is, your spacing, your timing, and uh, he made a couple great plays just to make easy breakouts, and I was really impressed the San Jose game with his feet were moving, and he made a couple breakouts on his own. Um, That's a a really good sign when you get a defenseman that can – have his head up, move his feet, and escape one checker, bring another checker to him, and then dish the puck off like he did, uh, that's that's a good sign that he's going the right way.
4: Now, is there anything else that uh, Pecorino can do that, that just surprises you anymore? Because the way he's played in his, his starts this year um, early on has just been remarkable. Now, I know he's given up a few goals here and there, but – for the most part, I mean, he's giving them, as he's always done, um, he's giving them an opportunity each and every game um, to win because of what he is able to do inside the net.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, he's great. You know, he's just he's so steady. You go in the locker room, um, so friendly and, and, you know, talking to everyone. Uh, and then he brings that on the ice, that calmness. The team knows what he's all about. Um, not to say that if things aren't going right, he won't he won't let you know that it, it needs to be straightened out. But uh, you know his his ability to as he's gotten older to, to fine tune his game. Uh, he's putting less stress on his body uh, the way he plays. And you know I, I we talk to C-Mace about it all the time, uh, what he does and and the. In the the different styles between him and Saros, but both of them really are just technically so sound right now. And, and, uh, I think, I think having the balance of where they get time off and, and, they're both playing, it gives them a chance to, to keep working on, on little things, on the details. And I think in goaltending, that's so important to make sure you're not just near the post, but right on the post. And, and those details matter. And I think Pekka has been so good at that and and really paid attention to his health and, and taking care of his body. He's he's done a great job with that and it shows on the ice.
0: Hal Gill joining us here on Morning Drive. So offensively, thirteen goals through the first three games. We're seeing Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg with really good chemistry. We're seeing success on the power play in two of the first three games. Are you surprised that both of the new elements have just kind of hit the ground running and had instant success?
1: Yeah, it's Oh, I mean I, I guess I shouldn't say it's surprised. We're expecting it but you're always tentative, you know. You don't want to get too excited, you know, it's like the the Christmas gift that you think you might get but you're not sure, you don't want to get too excited about it. Uh, you know, I think the power play and the offense has been been fantastic. And I what I love about the offense more than anything, you know, it's great to have the power play going and getting the job done. Uh, but when you have two lines that are awesome and then you, somehow you forget about the third third line is great and the fourth line is great. And we talked to Kyle Turris, and he had a goal at the last game, and, and he's had a ton of chances, and he's working well with Yarncroke and Grimaldi. So um, sometimes you forget about all the distribution that the Freds have, and it's been pretty fantastic to start. Um, now they just got to clean up the defensive side and, and put it all together.
3: Uh, Hal, every, every team in every sport every year has a different personality in its locker room. H- have you noticed a renewed sense of focus or energy or maybe motivation chip on their shoulder? Is there anything different at all that you've noticed about this particular personality of of this particular locker room maybe compared to previous years?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, it was funny because I was thinking about it. And it, it's always hard at the beginning of the year. Everyone's feeling it out. I know this group... Is, knows each other, but they don't know each other without P.K. Subban in the locker room. They don't know each other without, you know, Cody McLeod is a big guy. Uh, Anthony Batetto, there's, there's a lot of different guys that are, have gone that it changes that dynamic. And Duchesne's in the locker room now, and he's trying to help out, and, and he's finding his way. But I, I honestly believe that you go on the road with a team and you're stuck in a city together, and, um, you know, they're going to have... Uh, a, a team bond, a team bonding for sure. Is at some point in Vegas, they're going to go out and do something together, and and that's when you really kind of get to know each other. Right now, you know everyone's getting has kids at home, and you kind of take off. When you go on the road, that's when you learn what your team is all about. And so I think we'll find out more about it. But uh, right now, I, I think these guys they drive well with each other. They all work hard. Uh, everyone talks about Duchene and his work ethic and and how that is has uh has stood out as something that the team has rallied around. So, um, you know, it's so far so good. We're we'll learn more after the road.
0: Skillsy, we saw in the off season, you know, the, the 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 cupboard has been restocked. The farm system is a little deeper than it has been, and there are certainly guys that you know had really good camps that made a case for making the roster for opening night that will start the year in Milwaukee. When you're a veteran player and you know that there's guys that are close to coming up, how does that change your mindset as a high-priced veteran knowing you got to perform because there's younger, talented guys in the pipeline ready to come up and coming up at a much cheaper price?
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, me, you're talking my story. You know? it's every, you know, you're, you're trying to fight so hard to get into the NHL. Once you get into the NHL... It's not long before you're trying to fight to, to not get kicked out. And uh, there's a lot of young talent. And, you know, everyone's talking about Ellie Tolden and, and how he deserves a shot. Uh, no one more than Ellie Tolvin. Uh, he, he wants to get a shot. He, he's down there working hard. Uh, you can see the development that he's gone through. Uh, Pitlick is the same way. Uh, Jared Tenorti, I thought, had a great camp. Um, you know, Davies and Santini. That There's so much depth. In in Milwaukee right now, they're going to have a heck of a team, but those guys don't want to stay there. They want to get the call up, and they're just waiting for their spot. Uh, you know, it's tough. There's a couple times when I was playing injured, and someone said, "Oh, you're tough for playing injured." I said, "If I fall out of the lineup, someone's going to take my spot, so I can't, I can't take the the chance of being out of the lineup. You got to play through those."
0: Hal Gill, Preds Radio Analyst. He's brought to you by Puck. It's great stuff as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Hal.
3: Thanks, Hal. Enjoy Vegas, nice buddy. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: You got it. Hal Gill. Game.
3: Enjoy All right, Vegas. boys. Enjoy Vegas. Yeah, you guys don't have the luxury yeah.
0: listening in radio land to see our faces <laughs> yeah. during yeah. the show. Absolutely. But uh, apparently I committed a violation yeah. and well, you, you guys us. both I, I, lit up like a Christmas tree.
3: I don't know if you committed a violation. Well, I was no, reading. it I was I would, a I violation. Would, hang on. I, I'm going to bring Marquise. I would like to raise this as a question to mm-hmm. our Judge, juries, and executioners here. I was looking at his others.
0: Twitter handle, and that's why I said it. Go ahead. So,
3: so Nick referred to Hal Gill as Skilzy, which is his nickname, mm-hmm. his hockey nickname, always has been. Um, Hal is one of the just absolute <sighs> gems of a, of a personality in this city and, and love having him on the team. Um, is, is it appropriate? Because he's not a player.
4: No, he can't do it.
3: But is it okay to refer to a former player – as their nickname. Nope. So you say no. Nope. But if right. that's what everybody Marquee. at the station calls him, though, I See, mean, because so I, I was introduced to him as Skillsy. I, I didn't end I was like, okay, right. Hal Gill. Okay, so yeah. So does Pete Weber ever refer to him as Skillsy during a broadcast? Exactly. Because yeah. last night during Smashville Live, I never referred to him as Skillsy. I called him Hal Gill.
4: Yeah. When you're interviewing him,
3: it's Hal. I mean, but he's more of a friend than a player, though. He's more of a mm. friend of the show. He's always a
4: player. I. Uh, yeah, because no, when I was, if we were, we're yeah, to rip Chase for it, so if we're have well, rip Chase irrelevant. for it, we're gonna rip Chase for it. We gotta rip Nick for it. Do you
3: think that it was inappropriate, Nick, or do you think it's okay?
4: I'm, I'm honestly asking. I'm <sighs> um, gonna... if you got to think that long, yeah, it was, yeah, inappropriate. It was
1: definitely. Yeah, it like yeah, yeah, if
4: I'll you listen,
0: but him. if you listen to the full interview, I did introduce him as Hal Gill, brought yes. to you by Puckets. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's Hal Gill,
3: and said Skillsy, what's up?
0: I need you boys to reset midway through. So when I reset, you know, I called him Skillsy.
3: Well, no, you reset with Hal. You just said, "Hey, so Skillsy, uh, but you were—it was okay. very so massive matter- I don't, I don't
4: talk, talk about power
0: play.
3: <laughs> skillsy, talk about talk about team building in Vegas. So
0: yesterday, the bathing suit was an issue. I don't. Yeah.
3: Today, no, no, Skillsy's no, an issue. Here's the thing: I, okay. I don't. I think this is gray area. I don't think this is cut and dry. I what if I interviewed Hal Gill in a bathing suit?
0: <laughs> well, because that's not fair, there because we called Derek d all the, all throughout right, the show. Right.
4: So I don't. Th- I, this is why I think. But it's y'all a- work with me.
3: Well, we, we technically work, with Hal, work, with, with, Hal. With, work with, with Hal, I worked with Hal last night. Thanks for listening. But you call um,
4: you called him Hal.
3: I, on the air, as a co-host, I called him Hal Gill, but it's it's a little bit more of a formal show. We've got the players there. It's all about the players. It's not about Hal or, or myself. It's about the fans coming out to see the players. I, I don't think this is cut and dry. I don't think there's an egregious violation.
0: Poll question at 1025 underscore MD. Put it up, Hollywood. Is Nick in violation for, for referring to Hal Gill as skillsy mid-interview? Yes mm-hmm. or no? Let's
3: I mean, go, let's a, get some answers. He, he's a you, Derek. We consider you a friend and a colleague. So mm-hmm. D Mace, D, whatever it works. You call mm-hmm. Derek McFarlane D Mac all the time. Yep. Uh, you know, there's we coach Willie. <laughs> we call him Coach Willie. We call Chase a million names, right? Babe. the Chas McCalbre. <laughs> Chase is
4: never a player. Constable. D Mac was never a player. Willie was a player. You? but, I mean, he's Willie. Um, so we can refer to those guys as, you know, d
3: I'm sort of in the, if he's a if he's not a current player or coach, mm. kind of all bets are off you can do whatever you want. If you're mm. friends enough with him that you call him skillsy, I don't think that that's a problem. Mm. I'm actually going the other direction on this one.
4: No. Nah. Because y'all would rip Chase for it, so. I don't. <sighs> yeah, we would. No, we would rip Chase. I would rip Chase if he was doing an interview <laughs> in the locker room with a player. I would rip him on that
0: uh. All right, poll question will be up shortly at 1025 underscore MD. We're back after this with a big finish.
3: We've had a big show. It's a big show. And now, now, it's time for a big finish on Morning Drive.
0: <laughs> that is correct. Time for the big finish. We do it each and every day at 945 here on Morning Drive. And Braden Gall, the big finish is BTYB.
3: Nashville Soccer Club brought to you by Nashville SC. NashvilleSC.com is the website. If you want inaugural season tickets for the MLS season coming up next year, you need to go to the website, NashvilleSC.com, and buy some tickets. They're in second place right now in the table and entering the postseason with a chance to win the USL championship. Hello, NashvilleSC.com. All right,
0: let's get to the rewind. And we welcome you into another edition of Morning Drive live here on a Thursday... Boys, do we take a moment of silence this morning for our beloved Braves fans slash colleagues Chase McCabe and Gerald Stillman this morning?
3: Marquise trolling Chase and, and, and Gerald, if, if if that in fact is the case.
0: I mean, uh, my, my mean, I'm a Dodgers fan, and that was the worst part yeah, you of had a the bad whole night. Day. too. We'll uh, pour one out for Marquise if, as well.
3: If, if. How do you treat your friends (laughs) when it comes to their sports teams and losing? I think I've tweeted Chase McCabe go card sixteen times in the last five days. Is that how we should treat each other? Is it is it a positive? Like for some reason, why why do we do that? People we like our friends, we want them to feel pain with their sports.
4: I really only do it on college teams and not necessarily, you know, pro teams. Because again, it there's no, to me, there's no attachment to a pro team. There's no, no sense of loyalty to a pro team. Your sense of loyalty, to me, is your college team. So I like to troll like, if somebody's college team lose, not their pro team. The Braves and Dodgers, for whatever it is
0: in October, find a way to screw it up.
3: Yeah, the Dodgers get to the series though. The Dodgers normally get past this first round. They they don't lose very often in the first round, and they probably should have won yesterday. Now the Braves, this is a this is this goes back to the nineties, <laughs> winning divisions, being one of the best teams in the National League, and then fa- failing to get where they need to get for twenty years. They've been doing that, other than the one the one year. So yeah, it's I, I think you're right. There's a I think you tweeted something about it, <laughs> something about October DNA. I mean the Cardinals clearly have it.
0: Yeah. One team, the Cardinals, really? has an October DNA. The other team has Jared Stillman yelling at him on Twitter.
3: <laughs> Which one do you want? I'll take October DNA for three hundred. I I just am curious how because Marquise seems pretty down too today about the Dodgers' loss and how it happened.
1: I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm alright. Hell no. <laughs> I putting my heart in, this <laughs> dog. <laughs> before
0: practice occurred, Marquise knew that they would be in a certain area of the field, so he bugged the field. He miked them up unknowingly unknowingly to Titans players and apparently towards the end of practice Marcus, you know, a little bit out of character, got the boys together and said, you know, this is a big game against Denver, we need to really show up in mile high, and here's the tape. I see Tristan, I see all these little guys, I see all these big guys rising up and doing everything
3: Don't anybody question his uh, fire. Okay,
4: yeah, that's. I mean, they needed that.
3: He's the team the, needed it. He's the determinator.
4: Hey, Marcus knows that if they go down two four, it's gonna be it's gonna be hell to try to get out of that it's hole. Tough sledding. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So I, I'm really I'm really excited and satisfied with the renewed sense of energy and purpose from this Titans organization. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did they reignite the fire there for you? <laughs> the
3: fire was reignited. Um, they went from they went from they went from good to puberty. <laughs> what happened? Be determined. I don't know. I don't know. Be determined. I see big guys. I see little guys. We can beat them on their field. We can beat them on our field. We can beat them in New England.
0: Von Miller, I will determine you. <laughs> Fred's associate coach, Kevin McCarthy.
3: I think well, I think Matt's uh, one of his biggest assets is his, uh, his skating ability and his creativity. And that's uh, definitely been shown here over the course of the last uh, three games and in, and in uh, the exhibition games. And uh, he's as advertised, he's exactly what we knew he was going to be. And I, I think that line, especially with, with Phil and Granny there, is really a uh, real potent
1: uh, offensive attack for us.
0: Now we know when you're a coach, when you're a player, when you're a part of that franchise inside that room, you can throw around the nicknames. Mm-hmm. We bust chases stones over the nicknames, but I was tracking them. Uh-huh. We had an Eki, we had a Turry, which we were yeah, wondering Dan, if we could put a Y on Turi.
3: Dan yeah. Hammy said said that last night about we had it. a, a Turry. called him Turi, so. and
0: we had a Fabs, Fabs, Fabs is a,
3: Fabs are such a good name. Joe Rexroad from The Athletic. It's not just that he got into a Twitter brief, but He actually, like, picked a fight one day. And I'm like, like, right here, this is what you don't do. But he can't help himself. It's not that surprising. So, you know, then he says that, that he shouldn't have done it. But, I mean, it's kind of who he was. And I'm not saying, like, because he does that, this team goes 9-7 and every year. But it is one of those things, like, you know, if you want to break out of the rut of, of what's happening in the field, maybe break out of the rut of some of the stuff you do off the field.
0: We welcome in Benjamin Albright from KOA I Heart in Denver. You know,
2: in terms of record, I don't know that it's a, it's a particular stunner. I think you look at kind of the way they've played and the way they've lost or won, and that's kind of been surprising. You know, you talk about a, a football team that's put the two potential game-winning drives inside the two-minute mark at home and lost both games. So that's kind of been a bit surprising. The way the defense struggled to get turnovers and sacks through the first three games, a bit surprising. But, you know, the offense has been surprising in a good way. keeps continuing to get that better each week, and, you know, I think Denver fans are kind of hopeful or, you know, at least optimistic about the possibility of almost a, a Colts-like turnaround from last year out of this team.
0: Derek, you're, your kid's a little older, but mm-hmm. your kids are younger. Yeah, you're the only one back there that's not, not, not a parent. Yeah, oh well, thank God. At um, least that you know of. What are the odds of a little Hollywood's running around that you don't know about right now? Uh about a good 70%. Oh,
3: my God. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, no. That's why no, like no. you're waiting for marriage. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> I'm a Christian man. He's a Tim Tebow. Are you guys going to allow your kids to get allowance?
0: Oh, no. When my daughters were about three and a half, they would just flat out say, need dollars. <laughs> <laughs> they need Daddy, Mommy, you need, need, dollars. Dollars. Give need dollars. dollars. Give me them need dollars. Give me
4: them dollars. <laughs> what did they need dollars for? Yeah, I, I, I they, don't know, they but they know. needed
0: dollars. But they knew.
4: Are they running a racket
3: on the playground? They are. <laughs> They're running a <laughs> like Ponzi scheme I don't know about. Dad, you, ca- I, dude, my guy will not front me the Sour Patch Kids, okay? I've got to pay for the Sour Patch Kids up front. And then I've got to distribute the yellow dollars. ones. I need dollars. I need them dollars.
1: Uh, let's go.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was indeed oh, that's good. the Morning Drive Daily Rewind. Uh, we got about minute, minute and a half to go here uh, tonight. How about this? So you get four different things. Oh, so much. College football, Cuse and NC State. The NFL, you got the Patriots and Giants. Baseball, you've got the Astros and Rays. Garrett, and, of course,
3: Garrett, the Preds. Garrett Cole on the mound, right, for the Astros?
0: Yep. And Patriots uh, a seventeen point favorite. Haven't Ooh. they
3: been like a fourteen point favorite in like three straight games? Uh, yeah, at least I don't think were they. were against, against 20, the Bills. They were a twenty. Pl- oh, that's right. The Bills in the middle there. Yeah. But against the, the Dolphins, Redskins, and Giants, they uh-huh. were huge favorites. Um, Preds tonight. You know, keep it keep it rolling. If you can go three one in a four game home stand, that's pretty good stuff there. Um, see what the offense looks like. Keep the power play going. Baseball. I mean, this is a multi screen night if I've ever if I've ever seen one. So. Got a lot of good stuff tonight.
0: Minimum of three, if not four screens.
3: Well, I don't think you're going to need to watch the Patriots too much. I mean, the Giants have no players left. They're all injured, right? Like it's. I think I'd go Giants-Patriots
0: over Cuse and NC State.
3: Oh, I disagree with that. Got to Dan, watch Danny, greatness. Danny Dimes is going to be Tommy. Know, down by three touchdowns right away, though. They got no players like Sterling Shepard. Mm-hmm. 24-0. Bartley, and they're all out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. 24-zip Patriots.
3: Yeah. I, I, I think Cuse-NC State will be be interesting, Tommy De- Tommy DeVito, the other Tommy.
0: Astros win today.
3: Garrett Cole, all the way, baby. Okay. Uh, I feel got to get to their pen. It's Predators
0: fine. pick up uh, the sixth point of eight.
4: Ooh man! Listen to all this analysis. That's, that's tough. I think they do at home. I think okay. they do. So they're going to beat a guy named Braden. Not possible. Okay. But it's not that in the playoffs. Is it for
0: us. Darren Donica Chase coming up next. And as one man once famously said when he signs off of his social media posts, I'm just saying, <laughs> take care.
4: <laughs> Bailey DJ Nashville, I love you.